This is Multinew Media. You're listening to Multinew Media, connecting business and technology. I'm your host, Chase Raz. Hi, everyone. I'm Chase Raz, and with me today is Chris Ayers. We are here talking about Agile and some of the different frameworks that go along with Agile. Sometimes I get the uh, pleasure of pretending to be dumb on the show and really knowing how something works. And in this case, I'm just starting my journey when it comes to Agile and Scrum and XP and all of these things. So we're going to get the benefit of me not having to play. I wouldn't even really call them frameworks, for one. And yeah, there's XP and there's Scrum and there's different and Kanban. There's different kind of implementations. Um, mm-hmm. But and something one of my friends actually did. They actually did a talk on this. A lot of times you'll see Agile with like a capital A, uh, as in it's like a trademarked thing. It's a proper it, noun. Be, it, this is the Agile way. Right. Instead of the idea behind it from the beginning, which was Agile with a little A, this is all in an effort to help businesses move and react faster to a marketplace. So we really shouldn't be using agile as a noun. We should be using it as a verb. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of companies and and, and places will have you use it as a noun. Uh, more maybe an adverb. Yeah, you know what? Really uh, as, 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 as I said that, I was thinking it, but I'm going to I'm going to go with it and hope that no one who uh who is good in the English speaking uh, heard me say that. So let's start with the basis. Just what is Agile, capital A or lowercase a? Well, look, people who develop software as their craft, like this is what I do. We want to improve. And something that's been done for for decades since the 60s and 70s has been a waterfall method. Waterfall method is something that should be very familiar with a lot of people who are attached to software or have some software. I know the military does it a lot. It's pretty much a software development life cycle, SDLC. Now, let me translate that for a moment. Let me translate that. So if you're on the management side of things and not the IT and waterfall model isn't making any sense to you, sort of just think of some of your um, project management charts, uh, your Gantt charts. Um, How it just looks like it's cascading down. That's what we're talking about, and that's what IT folks have called the waterfall is where it looks like it's just cascading down from step to step to step. It is a sequential design process. Sequential, so you, linear, all those fancy yes, terms. It's, it's right. we're, we're going to do, do this thing, then something else. Right. You first get all the requirements. You got to know everything about the thing first. I want the scrolling marquee to blink as it goes across Netscape Navigator 2.0. Yeah, all the requirements. Then someone designs it. They think about all the ways in which, you know, all the pieces you're going to need, all the the people and planning and everything is all done in the design phase. Then you write it, then you test it, then you give it to the user, and then you support it forever. I'm, I'm going to guess, and, and being sort of a newbie at this, I, I'm going to guess that there's something wrong with this process for some types of development if something like Agile came along to... For most types of development. For most types, so not just for some, for most types well, of so, development. Yeah, well, here's the problem. Do you know everything about your, your business? I wish. No, not even close. Okay. So a manager, let's say, knows everything about the business, mm-hmm. or they think they do. Right. They, they think they like, do. 
here's my requirements. I want the marquee, the scrolling bar to blink in Netscape Navigator. I love that you're using that horrible example I threw out. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it to blink in Netscape Navigator. And so they make a project to make it blink in Netscape Navigator. And, you know, gathering all these requirements, let's say they take a couple months. It shouldn't, but let's say they do. Mm -hmm. And then they design it. It maybe takes a couple months. And then they start writing it. And they go, hey, uh, Netscape 3 is out. They changed how stuff works. Now we got to go back to the design phase. So, cool. They get back to implementation. They start implementing. It works great. They start testing. Well, Netscape 4 is out now. Uh-oh. At this point, you're, you're pulling at your hair and screaming. Now you got to go or you can keep going and just release it with bugs. So you, every time you have to go back. So this is where they say catch bugs early. Mm-hmm. So if there's a bug in your requirements, if you've designed your whole project around this thing and you've written it and you've tested it and there's a problem with your requirements, you didn't mean Netscape, you meant Chrome. So in in the web now world. you have to go back to the beginning and reassess yeah. everything. And it's a huge, it's a slow ship to turn. In the but web the world, farther? this this makes me think of a lot of the tools that are out there that are written to capitalize on workarounds. That, that, that's kind of the idea of waterfall. You know, uh, I, I want to design a train to run on these tracks. They're a meter apart. The, mm-hmm. the, the two rails are a meter apart. That's the length of it. They start building it, designing it, implementing it. They start testing it. They realize, oh, they're really only 0.9 meters apart. Oh no! Now you have to redesign everything. Is it where does that changing information come? Where does it come well, from? Is it that it. often that businesses change their spec? Or hey, I wrote and designed everything, and I give it to you. The marquee and Netscape 2.0 blinks, mm. and you look at it and you go, "I wanted it to flash, <laughs> not blink." You give it to the user, mm-hmm. and you misunderstood them, or they miscommunicated. You misunderstood. Or they they miscommunicated, miscommunicated. Whatever the case may be. Have you seen the little web short called The Expert? The client's like, I want seven lines, all of them perpendicular. Okay. Four four red, three blue, and one colorless. How, how would you do that exactly? Exactly. The client thinks they know what they want. And, and the, so a big problem I've seen with Waterfall is usually bad requirements or you get far down the track, something changes or something was wrong earlier or you give it to the client and they say, this isn't what I wanted. So you spend all this time and effort, you give it to the client and they're like, I didn't want that. Yeah. And the other problem is, let's say you have a budget of $100,000 and you start getting a little bit behind. Work's taking a little bit longer, you found a few more bugs and you've used up all the money, but you're only 80% done. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? 80% done. It could mean there's bugs everywhere. None of the pieces work 100%. Could mean that out of every single module you've written, 80% of them have bugs. Or it could mean one module is completely broken, doesn't work, and the other ones are kind of okay. Like, it's hard to determine what that 80% complete is, you know? One of the things I found in my research, and I, I, and I want to use this to transition into a question, is yeah. I found uh, an organization called Version 1, and they do this state of agile development. And I, I pulled from their reports the categories that they look at in order to... Um, you know, from the business side, reverse engineer what it is they are are looking for Agile to do within uh, businesses, whether they're IT focused or not, because the idea is Agile is not being uh, used only for software development, but it's starting to, to matriculate back 
to organizational behavior in general, which is where a lot of the ideology came from to begin with. And some of the bullet points I found that they're looking for, some of the metrics rather I put them in bullet points, are uh, they want developers or businesses to be able to manage changing priorities, and that's what you're talking yes. about, changing yes. realities, changing specifications, but also yep. to increase productivity, improve project visibility, and we're, we're probably talking across functional um, behavior there within a business, to improve team morale, and then to enhance software quality. Yep, and I was getting all that. Absolutely, and that's where I wanted to transition into a question. Right, so... so are you telling me that with all of these problems you're talking about, sort of with this waterfall method, that Agile has, I guess I'll rephrase this, what is the key part of Agile that someone would want to know uh, before you get to all those issues? What's the key thing somebody needs to have in their head before hearing everything you're about to say later in this episode? You want to release working software. So you were talking about before a piece of software being 80% done. So it's 80% right. done, but it's, it does nothing. It's not working. Therefore, it might as well be 0% done. Exactly. So that's where Agile is different. So with Agile, let's say we're going to have the same budget, 100000 We mm-hmm. get 80% done. What that might mean in an Agile project is, you know, maybe we're building a website. We built a login functionality. People can log in. People can look at their stuff. We built, you know, this other thing. That works 100%. Every module we build, we just kind of add on and we iteratively build. And every piece that's released is released like it's ready to go to market. Maybe it has less features than you want to go to market with and you want to wait. But every time we're done with a sprint, every time we're done with an iteration, it's working. It's tested. Okay, we're, it's we're gonna been wanna, accepted by the client. We're going to want to talk about some of those terms. Um, yeah. So for... You know, I've done a little bit of reading, and here's where I'll play dumb, right? I've, I've done some reading on the terminology of Agile and Scrum, but what if, you know, what if somebody hasn't been taking the time out of their, their life to focus on this because it's not something that's, you know, in their field of vision yet, and you're, they're hearing these yeah. terms like backlog uh, and, and sprint? I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> you jumped ahead. Uh, am I am I preloading you with a question? Uh, no. I, I thought you did. You you said something oh. about the the work items, and and I was translating it to the term backlog. But you did mention sprint, and you did mention a couple of other terms that I think could use um, a little bit of description in terms of how agile works. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The idea behind agile is, well, one of the great things about agile. Let me put it that way: is the team is empowered. So this is where managers might get nervous. Now go ahead and say that. They might get nervous. But you have to trust your team. And this is where you have to accept the fact that if you work your team over 40 hours a week, if you you ask them to work more than eight hours or so a day, this is where they start making mistakes. They start screwing up and they start having problems. So don't try to ask for more work to be done than can be done. So the team commits to some of the work. Well, what work? That's where the, what you were saying, the backlog comes mm-hmm. in. The product owner, the, the, the person who is empowered to make decisions about the project, whatever it is, a website, an app, a program, whatever, that person is the product owner. They choose the direction of the product. They choose the priority of items in the backlog. So the backlog is just a big list of things to do. It's a big to-do list. It's your big wonder list. Yep. The product owner is in charge of the priority. 
So they move the things that are more important to them to the top. And they'll have a conversation with developers. This is what they, you know, this kind of called grooming. They'll say, hey, I want my car to make me toast. And the developers <laughs> might go, though, that's a really weird story. That's a really weird request. Why don't we do two different, why don't we split that into two different stories? How about you have a car and then you have something that makes toast? Mm-hmm. Now there's two different things. So what's your priority? Well, actually, I want the car more. Okay, fine. So now the car is a priority. That's still kind of big, you know. And then you, you'll start splitting things up, and then they'll give you sizes on how big they think each of the items in your list is. And and, and they don't give you a number and number of hours or number of days or or man hours or anything like because that. That would be hard to predict, right? They can't. That that is almost impossible to predict. But what they can do is they'll 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 do relative sizing okay and, and, and this is something that gets discovered over a little bit of time over like two or three uh work cycles iterations sprints um the first sprint which which is you know a two or three week of time that they're going to work on stuff they might estimate things as like a small or a medium or a large like mm-hmm. t-shirt sizes okay that makes on sense. how big something is very intuitive right so like and you know as you keep doing these iterations, as you keep looping through, um, they'll get more confident in that. They're like, you know, I used to think these were small, but we, we said it was going to be a small thing and we started working on it. And there was a lot of things we didn't know. And it actually took us longer and we ran into problems. So next time we see something that looks kind of like that, I'm going to say it's a medium or a large. You know, so they learn over time uh, about how big things are and they get pretty good at that. Well, that's but, a good uh, distinction from that waterfall method where you sit down and plan first. Here, you're you're saying you, you generally know where you're going, but you're planning kind of as you go. Correct. So let's go back. So the product owner has got their big to-do list, and they add to it, and developers add to it. Everybody kind of adds to it. Hey, uh, did you think about what happens when this – you know, hey, the user goes to approach the door um, – how about they do it with a wireless key fob or something? Oh, that's a good idea. Let's add that to the backlog. And, they're like, and, and the product owner is like, I really want that first. Like, hey, um, let's get the car driving and we'll worry about the doors <laughs> after. How about that? Yeah. You know, and, and so there's a conversation about that. But um, so your team and the product owner meet. And, you know, you've kind of gone through some of the stories. You've made them. Now, wanna, can, let me let me interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you keep using the word story. Yeah. Um, but you used it synonymously, and I think you actually said this earlier. As a to-do list, as, as a as, work as, item. I think you said the word feature. Yeah, as a feature. Or yeah, to, that's... And now you just said to-do. Is this something like how in marketing we talk about buyer personas and we invent these yes. fictitious people? Yes. So, you know, like on my website that I'm working on, you might write a story. It, the typical format is something like, as a blank, I want to do blank so I can blank. Okay, like, so as a as a website viewer, I want to as a user check out easily I, so that I can I don't right. know. As a user, I want to have a shopping cart so I can add multiple items before I buy them. That's as a important. user, I want to be able to pay with my credit card mm-hmm. so I can check out easily. I, I assume as an administrator, I would like daily sales reports so I can 
monitor my business. So you are relying on different personas based on different access levels sure. or access well, you rights. Can, you can do it that way. You could do as an anonymous user, I want to do blah, as a logged in user. Hmm. Like you can break out the functionality by different things, but the story kind of gives the feature and a story might have attached to it acceptance criteria. Like the cart should hold all my items if I refresh my page. If if I close the browser and come back and log in, I should be able to see the items of my cart. That is something that QA or a tester can test the story against. So if it doesn't pass the acceptance criteria, there's a bug or the story is not accepted. Yeah, I think that's really smart because, you and know. And here's the cool part. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say we're doing our two or three week sprint, which it, and I'll go ahead and go over that. Uh, what exactly a sprint is. But let's say we're doing our two or three week development cycle. We've kind of picked some stories. The team agreed to work on them. We start working on them. You finish. Well, the product owner sees that. He goes, wow, that's really cool. I just had a new idea. You know how I really wanted that key fob thing on the door? I want it voice activated now. And now that's his top priority. And so now you've already shifted gears. Mm -hmm. You're two to three weeks in and you're shifting gears. Every sprint, you can change your priority. Hey, we put it out as a beta site. We had some people look at it. Uh, they really liked the cart. It was cool and paying with, with credit card. But we got feedback that they want PayPal support. We didn't add that. Next hmm. sprint, I'm going to make PayPal my number one thing. Now, wait, this sounds really, really good, and it sounds like a general business principle uh, that from sure. the management side, we just talk about modularity. And it seems like you have, you're going through, yeah, you want, this 100% product, but you know other things go into building it, so it sounds like what you're doing is taking this backlog in your terms, uh, in Agile terms, you're taking this backlog, and so even as things change, because of the modularity of it, you're able to say, well, we can focus on that now, because that 80% of the site we have done, we know what it is, we know what it does, and we know what's functional and what's yeah. not. The backlog is fluid, and it changes from sprint to sprint. That, you know, that's really you, good to have that modularity in any type of management structure, whether it's technical, non-technical, anything. Modularity is a, is a great feature. So, yeah. So going back, a sprint. I, I've said it a couple times, and, and you asked me about it. A sprint is a small chunk of work. That That is the development cycle. So at the beginning of the sprint, you'll have a sprint kickoff meeting, usually, for, for Scrum. And you'll, um, you'll go over the backlog with the product owner, and you'll look at the team capacity. You'll say, hey, we got five people working on the, the project this sprint. Uh, Bob's out for three days, so he's going to be you know, about 80%. So we're not going to do too many large backlog items. Well, this is all reportable. You can look at the people you have in your team, and, and once they've gone for about three or four sprints, you get something called a velocity. Sometimes they do points for the the stories instead of sizes. So instead of, you know, maybe we sign a small as a one and a medium as a three and a large as a five or, 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 you know, maybe it's an eight. Yeah. Whatever makes sense to that team. What, at whatever the time. makes sense. So when your team starts going a couple of times, you start to see, Hey, you guys said that you could work on about 20 points of story stuff and you did it. So next mm -hmm. time you worked on 30 and you didn't finish all the stories. You missed a couple of stories at the very end of the sprint. There was like a five-point story that was not done. You didn't finish it. So this sprint, we're going to try working on about 25 points, and, and you finish it. So that's kind of the velocity for the team. Every two- to three-week sprint, 
you can agree to probably be able to complete 25 points of story. Now, tell me if this is a dumb question, but from a management point of view, if someone were brand new to this, those five points that didn't get finished, what what happens to them? Uh, does the next sprint not start because they need to be finished? Or? That, that story would probably be carried over into the next sprint or okay. put back onto the, you know, it depends how you guys want to do it. Usually we've had it move into the next sprint. So that story is in the next sprint and it's already taking up five of your points. So you'll maybe only work on 20 new things. Mm-hmm. And because... You have this big, long list of stories and to-dos and stuff that have sizes associated with them. And you have a team and you have a defined unit of time every two weeks or every three weeks. They're doing a sprint. You want it to be short. You don't want like a two-month sprint. You don't want a one-month sprint. You want something short so that they can do the requirements, do a little bit of work, get it debugged, tested, QA'd, shown off to the customer or the owner so that they're happy with what they see. All that happens in two to three weeks over and over again. But because there's data there, we did 20 points. We did 23 points. We did 25 points. You can see this this average velocity that the team is doing. And you can look at your list of backlog items with ones and threes and fives and eights. And if you divide the stories you really want done by the 20 or the 25, you can predict when you're going to be done with all the features you want. And and, and I assume this is a much better prediction than the waterfall method of starting up front and right. saying, we're going to take, you know, 18 weeks to do this, and it really could take 36. And that is what or 10. a lot of agile things will call a burndown chart. So if you've agreed to 25 points of work mm-hmm. and you see there's 25 points, and after a couple of days they finish a story and it's three points, now you see there's 22 left. So you and you have this two week sprint and you see the numbers of the remaining work going down. That's what they call the burn down chart. And then you can also look at they call it a burn up chart or a, a release chart. And you can see like, hey, I want these features. I can predict it'll be around quarter three. And, you know, about March, we'll be able to have this thing done. You can use the numbers you get as real data and you start graphing it and charting it and you can see trend lines you made all the operations people out there really happy they're all saying oh yes i can now plot and and figure out how long things take and assign values to our work efforts think back to waterfall this is where the look at the i don't know the f-35 you know the 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 stealth plane yeah yeah so how long was the contract probably doing it waterfall it was probably multiple year wasn't this the one that went way 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 over its development time still going way over development time still going way over money they don't have a really working plane multiple things are wrong with it multiple places there it is i just pulled it up the f-35 lightning 2 from lockheed martin mm-hmm. it's so it's plane. hard sometimes mm-hmm. to design a physical thing like that in an agile way but my my point with comparing waterfall to agile right now was with Waterfall, you only kind of get data points partway through. You know, hey, how, how are you doing on requirements gathering? Well, we're, we're working on it. Oh, we've talked to these people. We're gathering requirements. You, you know, you can kind of, we think we're 80% done. Okay, great. But you have no idea how long the rest yeah. will take. And, and, and you have, you know, you could be 10, 20, 30 grand in and we've done requirements. Great. If we stop the project today, we have nothing. Okay, let's do design. Now we start working on this design stuff. We stop the project today. You have nothing. You got some designs. No code, nothing workable, nothing anywhere. Yeah. With Scrum, 
and agile, you do a couple sprints, like three or four sprints. You have a website up. Maybe you have a login page starting to work. You start having styles and, and images coming together. Hey, all the functionality is not there. Maybe we don't have a cart. Maybe you can buy stuff, but you can't add it to a cart. You still have something. And, you know, that gets even more important towards the end, um, the, you know, the end of the project. And, and you're also getting data points every week. You're seeing the velocity of the team. You're seeing the uh, the knowledge growth of of sizing the stories. Uh, the product owner has a much better, deeper understanding because when you have these meetings talking about this, the stories, uh, the grooming meetings with the development team, mm -hmm. the development team is asking questions of the product owner. Hey, you said you wanted it blinking in Netscape. Did you just mean the browser on your desktop? Because there's a lot of them, and we could support them all if that's what you wanted. Managers might not know that, but a developer might. Or a security guy might be like, well, you, you might want to have certificates and SSL on your website, which is another very important thing of Agile. You want a cross-cutting team. You want a team that can be self-contained. I know a lot of bigger businesses start siloing people. Right. That's the database team. That's the security team. That's the infrastructure team. That's the development team. That's the marketing team. Well, they all live in their own little worlds. And so they're not completely focused on the project and knows the ins and outs of things every day. So when you usually do Agile or Scrum, you have a smaller team, like five to seven, and it has all the people they need to do the job. You know, we have like one infrastructure DevOps person and we have you know, and maybe they deal with security and we have a couple of back-end developers, maybe a couple of front-end developers, mm -hmm. maybe a database guy, and they're all working together on the stuff at the same time. You know, I'm going to be a little bit of a business nerd here and put my management degree to work. And I'm going to say what you're describing, and, and I, I, I wrote this down so I wouldn't mess it up, is a decentralized cross-functional team with a bi-directional horizontal hierarchy. Now, everybody's yeah, hating me for better. saying that, except for all the, the all the other folks who have MBAs and are going, ah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And you, and you know what we do every day? We do a stand-up, and we say, hey, this is what I worked on yesterday, and this is what I worked on today, and this is what's blocking me. And that's part of that horizontal hierarchy of this stand-up. Yeah. And I've heard, I have heard rumors, on, is this true? Tell me if this is true, that some companies actually have you stand up in this so-called stand-up meeting. We do. So what, walk me it's through this process. 15, what, what is this thing? It's supposed to be 15 to 20 seconds a person. Like it's not an hour-long meeting, 15 minutes at most. Mm -hmm. Everybody at the team stands up and says what they did yesterday, what they're doing today, and what the impediments are. So this is that's a daily face-to-face -face that's happening yeah. through the hear, entire sprint. Yeah, I hear what somebody else is doing, and I'm like, oh, I was going to work on that. So you already have experience with that? Can, can um, I talk with you after this meeting just so we can chat? You don't want to have side conversations during it. You just quick letting everyone know what we're working on, what the problems are. Management is – it's not a report to management. It's not a status report to management. The impediments are given to management to remove. So wait, I, am I <laughs> the, the purpose is to remove the obstacles just to let the team go. Is they they self-organize. They just kind of do their thing. Is this where for management and project leadership – I guess you guys do this in Agile and Scrum as well. The idea of osmotic communication, of just get everybody in a room, let them work together, put it, put people in close proximity, and things will yeah. work themselves out. Yeah, kind of. But it, there's no status updates, like I said. The main communications from the team to management are, 
management comes down, hey, these are my priorities. The team's like, okay, we can agree to do 20 points, 25 points. Management's like, okay, I wish you could do more, but historically this is what you've been doing, so this is what we're going to do. You have to trust the team committing to what they can commit to. You can't force them to do more. So no, I you're know just, you're just going to run into problems. Right. I, and I, I'm, I'm changing the, I'm changing the subject a little bit here um, for the sake of time, of course. I know there's no way we've even scratched the surface on Agile. But what I was getting at was the team loves it because they're not being pressured every day. They're not being they see the burn down. They see what they've committed to. They committed at the beginning and at the end, they show it off to the management and the product owner. And in between, they let management and the product owner and the scrum master know any obstacles they have, and the other people remove those obstacles. Well, here's the thing. I, I've heard this term before, scrum master. I think that's the first yep. time we've mentioned it today. Yep. Uh, before I go into sort of my concluding question, what's the scrum master, or who is the scrum master, rather? Not a manager. Not the boss. Not a project manager. All they're there to do is remove obstacles. And to facilitate the meetings, they're there to help, you know, guide guide the stand up in the morning. Just be like, okay, come on, keep it moving, back on track. They're there to help guide the grooming, uh, like facilitating questions and stuff. So, can I pull an yeah. office space moment here and say, so what exactly do you do here if you're running a fifteen minute meeting? meeting oh, can't even talk. A fifteen minute meeting in the morning. Well, that's not just what they do, okay. but you know, they also. Work to remove the obstacles. They'll they'll type up the stories. Maybe put them up on the board. They'll do a lot of um, the stuff just around the team to kind help. Them. Kind of like the coordinator of the Scrum team, right? Or Agile but, team. We're, we're using the terms interchangeably. Scrum right. just being one of the types of Agile, right? But I've had major problems where managers are like, "Oh, I can be the Scrum master," and it actually causes a lot of problems because instead of just trying to help the team, they kind of go back into project manager. Yeah, they'd be still kind mode. of ordering the team around. This is what I want. Right. When, when are you done with this? Are you done yet? Hey, can you work this week? Like, things like that. And, yeah. and that actually causes problems. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. What I've loved about Agile and Scrum is we report our duty, our, our, our commitment is we're going to complete this sprint and deliver to the product owner a great product. The product owner is the one that deals with management because they're responsible for the project. They've chosen the priorities that we work on. Mm -hmm. It's not our fault if they chose bad priorities. <laughs> that is a conversation between the product owner and management. Because those priorities got done at the end of the sprint. Exactly. We're committing. That's what you want. You really want that? Okay. And we, we've asked all the questions. We understand what you're asking. They're like, yep, that's what we want. That's the person responsible for the product. You know, they shield us from upper management. There will be questions from the scrum master if you're behind and there's defects. But um, the fact that you develop the code, it gets tested, and you show it off at the end, and it's all fully releasable, that kind of makes everyone happy. And happiness is good. Now, I mentioned a little bit before uh, that I was watching the time here, and I think we're we're probably running a little bit longer, coming close to it. So I want to I, I want to throw one concluding question at you. Is that okay, Chris? Yeah. I think that, and here's a preface to the question, of course. I think that if you're an IT professional, you probably have heard of Agile. You've probably heard of Scrum, and can go and talk to your development team and the, the your coworkers and your boss and your employees and say, you know, maybe this is something we should look at. But what if? You're somebody who's tasked with managing some type of product, 
or what what an agile team would define as a product maybe some web service or maybe some application or you, you can imagine right but maybe you're the business person maybe you're an operations person even a financial person and you're tasked with interfacing with the development team in order to make something happen how would you go and communicate intelligently and say you know i've heard about this thing called agile is it something we could look at well i think that you would want to have a conversation about uh we don't want to commit to this long-term thing, and by the time we get to our destination, the target's already moved on. Nobody's there anymore. We, we want to be able to build towards a, a common target or product with the, the consumer or with our user so that when we launch and, and when we start doing updates, those are the things that they want. Those are the things that will drive us more business, and we can do it faster, cheaper, and deliver a better product and it's that simple yeah i've done multiple different development styles and you know agile and scrum are my absolute favorite so thanks chris for joining me today i think this has been a great introductory talk about agile i'm sure this is something we're going to be back on in the future i know you've been nagging me behind the scenes to get looking at this a little bit more as part of my corporate training uh activities and i i really have been i've been looking at the scrum aspect of it right now the scrum implication uh implementation of agile and it it truly is fascinating so whether you're on the management side, whether you're in operations, whether you're in IT, uh, take a look at it. Grab a book on uh, Audible. Just check it out. See see what you can uh, see what you can do with this framework. Or as Chris says, probably not a framework. <laughs> it's a methodology. All right, we'll leave it at that. Thanks, Chris. No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.